Welcome everyone. You are listening to the I Am a Spartan podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show. It will probably suck. <laughs> Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. On this episode, I talked to Logan Bernhardt, and we talk about how he dominated at the OCR Overload race this past weekend. Man, the conditions were pretty bad. It was raining, it was cold, and it was a muddy mess, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it had some quirks because it was a new race, first time them putting on a race, but for the price, you couldn't beat it. The obstacles were great. I think they said they're going to have another one in June or July. You might want to check it out. For the, It's a lot of bang for your buck. Like I said, the obstacles were great. They were very much like a savage race. They had a lot of good rigs. They were really challenging. I ended up giving up my band. It was a good time, you know, for the price you couldn't beat it. The weather could have been better because it was kind of miserable. Like, it was so cold and raining, I was just ready to get out of there once the race was over. And as soon as Leanne was done, that's exactly what we did. Anyway, got a new review. Uh, Great OCR podcast from Old Man Age Grouper. Scott knows everybody in the OCR community and always brings a fun interview to his fans. He also sounds real funny. Check it out. Well, I mean, I do kind of sound like a redneck surfer, so I won't disagree. But anyway, uh, you may have already seen that Spartan released the new version of their medals for 2021. And anybody that run in 2020 can clearly tell that it's the same medal They've just powder coat colored over the top part, covered up the 2020 part, and painted in 2021. Kind of cheesy. Yes, it is. Are Spartans' prices high to do their races? Yeah, they kind of are. But let's face it, folks. Spartan just bought Tough Mudder, and they bought it before COVID happened. That was a huge buy they did there and i'm sure they bled money all year long so if this is what they got to do to stay afloat i'm all for it you know i mean because i hate to see any race company go under after such a hard year you know i hate to see any business go under and businesses are closing every day covid sucks i'm ready for it to go away uh, Jacksonville's coming up, and I won't be there, and I'm sad about it, but I'm going to be at Savage in March in Dallas, Georgia, not Dallas, Texas, and, uh, I'm going to be at the Charlotte Spartan Race, and hopefully be at the New Jersey Ultra, those are my races coming up, and if you're local around here in Winder, Georgia, it, I think it's Fort Yargo State Park. I'm going to be doing a 50K this weekend, and the weather's going to suck this weekend, too. It's supposed to be a 95% chance of rain, and, like, the high is going to be 40. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun 50K for me. But anyway, if you're going to that race, if you're going to any of those races I just mentioned, holler at me, come up to me, and say, hey, what's up? I know it's been a while since I've put an episode out. I'll try to do better. But anyway, here's Logan. Hope you enjoy it. Logan Bernhardt, what's going on today, brother? Just hanging out. How about yourself, man? I hear you, man. Same thing, same thing. Just finishing a hard today work today, man, and just trying to relax and unwind in the home front. So, Logan, before we talk about the race you did this past weekend where you dominated the field, tell us a little bit about yourself, man, like where you live, man, what you do for a living. 
Gotcha. Uh, so I live in uh, St. Augustine, Florida. Uh, own a small glass company here. Uh, we do uh, like custom shower enclosures. Oh, wow. Uh, Is that the only kind of glass work y'all do? Uh, no, we do like residential windows, tabletops. Um, the only thing we don't do is automotive glass. Right. Uh, other than that, we try to put our hands on anything. Oh, that's cool. It's your business, you said? Yes, sir. Oh, sweet. So you probably got like a beachfront home down there and everything, right? <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> We're all chasing the dream. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. So do you have? Do you do like window replacement like after like a hurricane comes through? Um, yeah, we get a lot of that um, down here. Um, you know, I'd say probably 70% of our work is like custom shower enclosures. But, uh, you know, if it's glass, we t- typically get involved in it. That's cool. I wouldn't need any of your services, man, because I just got shower curtains here. <laughs> uh, I hear you, bro. <laughs> so, so man, like, how did you, like, come up into, like, sports and all, man? Did, have, or did you just find it later in life, or were you always just doing sports? Um, so I stayed pretty active uh, from middle school on. Uh, you know, played baseball in school and basketball. Um, and, you know, other than that, um, wasn't necessarily involved in, in in too much you know came on to ocr in like 2014 and you know had some friends doing it invited me out one time and you know kind of got hooked from there all right what was your first race uh, i want to say uh first spartan was i think the tampa bay stadium sprint oh i remember that um, i didn't yeah, go to but it I think but i remember first when they race had it. ever was uh mud crusade here in jacksonville yeah um so they don't even do that one anymore, do they? No, no. I think they went out of business, and there was another one they used to do here in town as well. Um, that uh, it was one of those others that fell throughout the years as well. I know a lot of them has gone out of business, and I remember when that Tampa one happened, and I was like, "Cool, they do a stadium race that's close to me. I might try that one next year." And then they never had it again. What was that race I- like? No, it was it was awesome. I mean, they dug they dug the field up, and we we had like an eighty yard barbed wire crawl. Oh, sweet! Um, we ran on the practice field outside where they actually dug some some holes. So unlike the stadiums now, where you yeah. don't even get dirty per se, um, it was muddy, and you know we had turquoise rope climb, uh, but you definitely got dirty and muddy. See, now that actually sounds more fun to me than doing one like, you know, the, they do the stadiums like in Northeast or whatever, you know, because like you said, they stay dry. They just run right. concrete pretty much the whole time. That one actually sounds pretty, pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's a game changer, you know, anytime you can uh, involve the elements, if right. you will, uh, in a race. I agree, man. I just like, I just, and I've, and to me, just flying all the way up north or, you know, to the Dallas Stadium or out in Los Angeles for, or in California where they have the stadiums there, that just seems like a lot to do to go do a one day sprint. You know what I mean? And most of the time, you see people finish them in under like 40 minutes, too. That just seems like a lot of money for, you know, one day race. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. You know, one of those you got to really enjoy that that suffer fest to to make that sacrifice to get plane tickets and stuff. Yeah, I know some some people like it and they'll chase that whole stadium series and everything. I wonder why they hadn't done that uh, stadium again. It might be because they did like all that, dug it up, and did y'all actually run inside the stadium too? Yeah, yeah, it started, you know, on the outside of the stadium. We ran up the uh, the ramps into the stadium and then obviously through the stadium. Uh, you know, the only thing inside on the field was the barbed wire crawl. Right. Um, but then, yeah, like I said, at the outside of the field, you know, maybe some of those fields aren't like that where they have their adjacent practice field. Yeah. Um, where they have the ability to go out there with, you know, some heavy equipment and actually put some holes in the ground that's not going to you know, damage or destroy an actual stadium or, or you know, these multi-million dollar fields right where did y'all like get mud like all over the inside of the stadium and stuff you Uh, think no so you know we started on the outside ran up that ramp did everything inside and then you crawled the field and then exited and after you exited uh was like the last mile i would say of the course was outside the stadium maybe maybe three quarters of a mile um and that's where all the, the actual dirt and mud was now see that's to me that just sounds better 
uh, like a better sense. stadium. Yeah. It does. You're right. It just makes sense, you know. And I think that's kind of like what they do at that racetrack. I think it's in Michigan where they do it. It's like at a racetrack. They run out into the woods and everything, and then they come in on the track and everything there too. That actually just sounds more like a an obstacle course race instead of just running through the stadiums and doing box jumps and push-ups. That just sounds more fun to me. Right, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about how you dominated everybody at the obstacle overload race this weekend, Logan. It was a fun one. I, 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 had, a, I had a blast out there. Man, I enjoyed it. The freaking weather sucked. It was cold it, and it was raining. Bill. So tell us about how the race went for you, man. Um, so, you know, it's one of those perfect storms, you know, that, you know, if you're just out there for fun, um, it's, uh, it, it was a great race. And if you're super competitive, you know, it was a great race. You're, you're dealing with the difficulty of the obstacles, the weather, uh, the elements. Um, so, I mean, it was one of those where you, you definitely had to grind out. I mean, we were in the water in the first, you know, quarter mile, right. you know, and I think it, it might've been 50 degrees out there, 52, um, but hard to get a good running stride with the mud being so deep, except on the single track in the woods. And even then it was like rows of trees. So you were up and down, up and down. Um, but I, they had some difficult obstacles out there. You know, I think uh, what was cool was there was a lot of lead changes. You know, um, right. a lot of us felt real good coming out of the sandbag carry and um, uh, the the tire drag. And then we had a major backup at the Gibbons because it was just raining, wet. Um, everybody was redlining. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a big game changer. Nobody saw that on the map because it wasn't on there. So it that wasn't. was kind of a little sneaky thing that they threw in there. But I, mm-hmm. I, I loved it. Uh, I think it took me, you know, five, five or six times to get across. To, uh, you know, ended up chicken winging to get across. So. Yeah, I think everybody actually had to chicken wing that to get through it. And and I, I don't. I guess I've never. That was my first experience ever doing a Gibbon period. Right. But I noticed how. You know, because they had a board hanging, and then they had every single gibbon had a strap going through a hole of that board. So the gibbon would not rotate, you know, a full 360 degrees. So if you were trying to lock off and go through that, you know, you were going to get twisted up on your arms because you could not spin your arm around 360 degrees. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Uh, so... uh... It wasn't as elevated as, you know, I've seen in the past either. So, like, if you were to – one of those people that dead hangs, yeah. um, like, you had to keep your, your, your legs bent or else your feet would be touching the ground. Uh, but, yeah, I think it gave everybody a bunch of fits. Um, you know, it wasn't until after that that started making up some ground on that first pack. Um, I think maybe two guys made it through, like, fairly quickly um, and didn't have to multi-try like a lot of us. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they ended up having some trouble on the back half of the course with those other um, upper body strength rigs from either being cold or being wet. Yeah, I wonder if anybody actually, tra- you know, did a traditional like monkey swing through those gibbons because, you know, once the first person went through them, it was like all of them were shaking and spinning, yeah. you know, and even when you chicken winged it, you kind of had to like chicken wing and then hold the next one with the arm that you were chicken wing so you could set the dowel. Right. That was my first time chicken wing. And I've seen it a lot at different yeah. rigs and different things at the, you know, Noram and stuff like that. But it never was in a position to where I necessarily had to utilize it. But, yeah, me too. you know, when you're in that race like that and you try a couple times doing what you think you can do, sometimes you have to go into the bag of tricks and just make sure you can get past it. I know. And like, you know, at OCR World Championships or Noram, they, I saw videos where people would kind of like skip one and sure. then hang the dowel in the second one and they get just a really long swing and swing out and jump and hit the bell. Right. Well, at this Gibbons, you couldn't do that because there wasn't right. no bell. And I guess kind of a non-said rule was you had to hit the dowel in every single Gibbon and there was either five or six of them. Right, yeah, you had to have that last one placed in the in the end to complete the obstacle. But yeah, yeah you're exactly right. You know, uh, in my in the past, has been able to get a good swing um, and maybe have to set two of them in dry weather and then get a big swing and be able to you know contact the bell and, and move on from there. Yeah, I know. We, me, and you were kind of right there. We were we were working the same row. Yep, yep, taking turns. <laughs> I, I don't think I would have been beside you at that obstacle. 
if y'all wouldn't have got so hung up at that bridge obstacle, I don't even remember what that obstacle was called. I just remember running up to it. There was two lanes, and it's kind of like this wooden bridge that went over this creek. And it was it was like a wooden bridge or a wooden ladder bridge, and it had a right. rope on each end, so it moved back and forth. And there was like three on your side. I think it was you, Bruce, and, and Noel. <laughs> and y'all were just constantly follow, falling in the water. And I went to the other one because before I saw the picture of it on Facebook, I figured, man, that's going to be hard, you know, crawling across that. Right. But the guy in the other lane, I forget who what his name was. Of course, we all had girl names on our bibs. Most of us did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I saw him grabbing that rope that was up high so you could kind of guide yourself across it, holding the rope that was above your head. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, that'll make it easier. So I was over there doing that. And y'all were over there falling in the water. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, as soon as somebody else got on behind you and you didn't know what they were doing, oh, yeah. it just, you know, pretty much made those things swing out from underneath you. Um, you know, uh, I held that rope and I didn't let it go. You know, I, I felt bad for the two behind me because I want to say they went in the water at least three times. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of just, you know, kind of keep my feet on it and keep suspended. I mean, it took me a good while to get across and I finally had to scoot on my butt. Right. But, uh, yeah, it was a game changer over there, man. Yeah, um, I didn't expect that at all. I didn't either. It, it just that obstacle to me was just uh, just seeing that and going across it. That was just one of the funnest obstacles out there. I enjoyed it. It was just something different, you know. It was like a balance thing, but it had grip to it too because you had to hold the rope above it. I just thought it was a neat obstacle, something different, you know, than what yeah, you yeah. see at most I, of the other. I ways. think they made made good use of like. I don't know if innovative is the word, but just like a good mix of different, you know, obstacles and the terrain. Like you had woods, single track, you had sloppy mud, um, you know what I mean? You had gravel. I mean, so it was kind of just, like I said, you know, uh, just utilized everything they could out there to uh, to make it a, a fun course. Yeah, because it had like a kind of the best of both worlds as far as obstacles go, because you had some obstacles that definitely looked like it was like a mom and pop built obstacle but then you had some of the big aluminum trussed up frame obstacles like you would see at you know the bigger races like you know yeah. savage or spartan so i mean the obstacles to be honest the obstacles were probably the best part about the race i mean they were challenging some of these obstacles i would say were harder than savage obstacles but uh i mean there was kind yeah, of a little bit of slack on them marking yeah that low rig was where i tapped out i mean i tried it twice and pin i got a pinched nerve in my back in my neck from doing it the second time and i was like man my i couldn't feel my hands and i was like forget this you know yeah i hear you how did you get across it because i made it because what this low rig entailed of so for those who didn't see it is it had one of those black kind of ditch drainage pipes and it was at an angle and you had to kind of scoot up it because it was soaking wet on the inside. It was kind of hard to get up that itself. It was at an angle, so you went up it, and then you had to turn on your back. And then there was like a two-by-fours that were kind of hammered together that was kind of shaped like an upside-down T. Yep. And then you had to scuttle across that, and it was hanging by chains and moving around. And then there was like a wooden ladder. You had to grab it with your hands while your legs were on the other on that little t-bar and then you had to go across that ladder and then there was like an aluminum frame truss there where you could kind of grab your hands there and then you could grab the next wooden bridge uh that was hanging and hang upside down from all of this of course and that was the transition i got to both times and i couldn't do it because it was it just seemed like that transition was you know further away it was long. It yeah, it was. was real long. You had to you had to fully commit. Like it took me, like okay, you're gonna have to go and you're gonna have to put a hundred percent into this because if you half reach out there, you're gonna fall off. And I was lucky enough to get like three fingers on the 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 second one to bring it closer to me, which allowed me to get my hand on the inside of it, you know, and grab the actual two by four itself. Uh, and that second one had like metal metal ladder rungs in between it. Like, yeah. The first one just had wood. Uh, and then you still had that pipe. <laughs> and then there was a pipe hanging that you had to go across too. And that thing was super yeah, no. long. I don't know how long it was, but it was long. Yeah, it definitely was. Uh, that was a fun one. It was uh, anything where you can show up to a race and you know most people haven't done it. 
Um, it's yeah. always fun to watch people uh, brainstorm and to, you know, problem solve, I guess, on yeah. the fly, if you will, on how you're going to make it across something you've never practiced. Yeah. And in hindsight, I was wondering if once, because I didn't have any problems getting my hands to the next wooden bridge, it was getting my feet over to it as well. Oh, okay, I got because you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. when I would try to move up that other ladder, it's like cling off. Yeah, and I, in hindsight, I'm wondering if I could have moved a foot to that aluminum frame in the center, but I can't remember if it was too high to do that or not. I don't, I don't know. It might just be because I suck. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. But one of those didn't have trusses between it. Yeah, and it might have been that second one. It might be right. It was crazy. The first one was easier to me because they're like, "Hey, you can grab this truss here, so you could get your truss on your hand on the truss, go to the uh, you know from the the T shaped two by fours to the actual wooden ladder, and then start going across." The second one, I feel like there it wasn't didn't truss. Have a, you might be right. Same truss. Yeah, because when I would try to move my legs to it, it's like that was it. I couldn't hold yeah. my legs up in the air long enough to get them to that bridge they were just hitting the ground not to mention my grip when biceps were pretty much shot from trying gibbons as many times as we did it was a tough obstacle for me i agree i agree it was it was it was a fun one but definitely difficult yeah. uh, and i love that little and i was running beside somebody and I, he was complaining about it but i thought it was cool is when we we banked off into the woods not too long after that it was almost like we were running in like a crop row or something like yeah, yeah. it was like you'd go down you go up you go down and you go up and it almost looked like i mean it was like precise gaps in it yeah tree farming like you know yeah it, you know had obviously come in there and forested it before um and then replanted um some of those rows but yeah yeah definitely uh in uh, in a good um you know, you could either go on the tops or, you know, if you were striding out, you'd have to go top, bottom, top, bottom. And uh, definitely didn't allow you to get to full speed, and it was very technical. Yeah, because it, it messed up your stride just oh, enough yeah. to where you couldn't open up because you'd have to catch yourself if you weren't doing it right. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I enjoyed that. And and then, I'm trying to remember what was that. They had that tire drag that I thought was – it was a neat pull obstacle because – when you first started pulling it, you were like, oh, that's not that bad. And then once you turned around and pulled it all the way back, you were like, yeah, that was pretty tough. Yeah, definitely. It, they were big tires. <laughs> yeah, it wore you out. And most people, I saw some people were like grabbing, because it was like a it was like a semi-truck tire, I guess. Yeah. And it had like a, it almost looked like a fire hose, you know, or some kind of drainage hose that was tied to it. And it was just long enough that you could probably pull it over your shoulder and pull it and your feet not hit it when you were dragging it. And, uh, yeah, it was, it's kind of like, a, you know, when you do the plate drag, you know, it's not that bad. But when you walk that thing all the way back, you know, it gets into your quads just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, get a little fire going. But, yeah, it was pretty cool. So so what time, what part of the race was it that, that you, you know, took first place? Uh, so the that back it was the last mile, but the as soon as you came over the warp wall and you ran around the lake, yes, the, that second rig with the cargo net, uh, the Hildebrandt, the guy who had been in first place, he couldn't get across the first rig with the trapeze swing to yeah. the perpendicular pipe and the three rings. Um, I think there was two vertical. The wasn't there like? Was it again? No, you're right. There was three rings at the end of it. The next rig was the one that had the vertical ropes at the end. Right. And so when I got to that one, there was like four of us all on it at the same time. Um, and uh, like two people fell off right in front of me. So I just said, take your time and get through this. I knew that was that was the pack. There was no more people in front. Um, so that's I went through on the first try. Um, and from there out, and it was, we had, you know, the hatchet throw. I missed that. So I had to do the penalty sprint if you will yeah the penalty was uh, long enough to where if you took a long aim trying to do the axe you'd have done better right. to just throw the axe down and do the penalty loop because yeah, yeah. it was not uh, long at all so after that um you know we had the the, the minor herc hoist if you will um yeah. and one cargo net that flipped over and we had a sandbag carry so when yeah. i was on the sandbag carry i could see everybody else 
still on that side. So I knew as long as I didn't make a mistake from there on out that uh, I probably, you know, at that point had a good chance of, uh, of winning it. Once I put the bag down, um, I had gapped everybody a little bit more. Um, so the last obstacle was fun though. Um, yeah, it was. Know, it was like, it was mammoth, you know, was... you walk up to it or yeah. run up to it and you're like, Oh man, what am I supposed to do here? Uh, and it just had a couple different sections, but it was definitely enough that if you didn't pay attention, um, you would burn your grip out or you would make a, 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 a small movement that would be a mistake and you'd have to, you know, start over, you know, unfortunately I saw a lot of people, you know, that had that, um, happen to them, but yeah, so on that on that Hildervat uh uh rig, the one that had the net hanging. Yep. Did when you got there, did they was the guy said that you could go over the net or under it or was he making uh, you just go under it? Uh I didn't ask, but I saw the two two guys that were already on it were going under, so I just went under. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't ask per se, but you know, I think George was the volunteer that was at that particular obstacle. Yeah. Um, cause when I got there, he said we could do either or, so I went over it cause it was way easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was swinging, you know, I swung out there and when I swung, I just kind of grabbed the bottom of it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, uh, in hindsight, yeah. If, uh, you know, probably would have been less taxing on my forearms cause I was like dangling upside down trying to go under, um, getting to the next one. But I think the biggest part for most people, at least from what I could see uh, while I was carrying the sandbag was the ropes afterward. Yeah. Cause that was a big rope and they were really thick too. I would say and those when, ropes were probably like two inches wide or an inch and a half wide rope. And there was no knots at the bottom. So if you couldn't hold your weight up on that rope, you, you were done. Yeah. And they, they weren't, I'm trying to remember exactly. They weren't even like full body lengths. No, like, so it was. You had to use just your hands. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was definitely, definitely a good one. Yeah, it's like I said, their rigs and their obstacles were they were on point, man. They were really good. They were way harder than you know anything that a Spartan's done. And they oh, I even forgot about that one. They had that. It was like a a section of a twister, and it was hanging from ropes. And I remember going across that, and I was thinking, wow, this thing moves so much smoother than Spartan's Twister obstacle does. Yeah, it was, like, solid. The whole yeah. thing was welded as one and had, like, just one centerpiece that it, you know, rotated on besides the points it was hanging from. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, it, that was another surprise. You know, yeah. they, they kind of alluded to it, I think, a day or two before on the Instagram or the Facebook that yeah. they were going to have a Twister. Uh so, yeah, definitely had some top-notch stuff out there, man. Definitely would be something I would do again for sure. Yeah, because when I was running up to it, it looked like that it wouldn't spin. And I'm like, well, that it, you just got to get across it and it doesn't spin. And then it started spinning. It almost felt like it had ball bearings in it or something. It, it was yeah. really smooth. And I was like, man, this this just feels so much smoother than Spartan's Twister. <laughs> and I think the fact that it wasn't fixed – yeah, you know, added a little dynamic to it because, you know, like you're saying, it was you know, suspended, you know, swinging back and forth, if you will, from the the guy in front of you, or you know, you know, the the, the weather. Yeah, <clears throat> it was definitely pretty cool, you know, and I liked how it wasn't as loud as Spartan's Twister. You can hear, you know, when when the Spartan's Twister's coming up when you're running through the woods because you can hear yeah. the thing groaning. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, and yeah, that last obstacle, like you were saying, it, it was this massive thing. And I was talking to Brian Hess and he's the one that does the swamp battle race that they usually do at WW. And, uh, he was telling me that he knows a guy that builds a lot of scaffolding and he actually puts that, uh, I guess he's, I, th I think he told me that if I remember right, he said that they put that obstacle together. And cause you know, you could tell it was old scaffolding because you went through, it seemed like. I don't know, 20 monkey bars before you got to the first place where you could stand on a platform and they were all level. And then it kind of pitched up and I want to say it leveled off again. And then you could drop on the platform before you did the next section of this same obstacle. But what was cool about it is, you know, it was raining and all of them were wet, but the cool thing about it was, is whoever used these scaffolding poles before, they must have did some concrete work because there was like concrete smeared on some of them, and you could like get extra grip where that was at. So I thought that was pretty cool. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that to me is the definition of like, you know, you said earlier, mom and pop, like, let's utilize what we have to to make this epic obstacle. And, uh, you know, the the other aspect of that is how many people, you know, worked using that stuff, you know what I mean? Uh, So you kind of have that character, uh, you know, of of the obstacle itself of being, you know, repurposed for, for, for that. Yeah, and they had that massive cargo net that went across probably half of the frame and could you imagine like they could have put like a lot more rigged part things on that obstacle to just make that whole thing just totally a different ball game too oh yeah you could mix up mix and match that stuff so good yeah Um, same with that low rig you know moving it back and forth in different setups and would definitely just be it could be the same thing but different every time you put the race on you know it would be it would be pretty amazing to see what they could come up with yeah because like after that after you did the monkey bars on the first part of it, you had that long cargo net that you crawled up and then crawled across. And then you got on another platform and there was two hanging ropes there. And you had to swing across those ropes to another platform. And then there was either, it was either, I think it was two or three floating walls that you had to get on that were kind of like Z walls that were hanging by yep. chains. But they didn't have blocks on the top. They had a block on the bottom you could stand on. And then they had like, it was kind of like stuff again. Yeah, that same kind of hose material hanging out. Yeah, like nylon or something. I don't know. And that worked. Per- and I mean, and that wasn't that bad because you just kind of leaned back into it, and it was pretty easy to get across that. But it was a neat obstacle, and I I like the way, you know, the guy did the timing, you know, because you got the email and it told you the next day after the race we got that email that told you all the timing specifics of everything, you know, overall. Oh, yeah women female your age group so i mean he did a good job timing my only complaint was is i mean and i understand it's the first race and they didn't have a lot of volunteers a lot of the obstacles didn't have volunteers at it so you know if people wanted to cheat they could cheat i know I, i know i saw some people that failed obstacles and kept going and they didn't give up their band but it sure. didn't. It didn't matter because when you come across the finish line, there was nobody there to check and see if you had a band or not. Right. So because I didn't have mine, and uh, the guy, you know, just saw me come through, and he just said, "Hey, put your timing band in the bucket." And so I did that. And so you know, when you get the timing results, it said I was nineteenth place, and I'm like, "But that's not right because there was probably some behind me that finished that did all the obstacles." So. I don't know, it, to me, in a way, that, that kind of makes all the results, I mean, ex- except for, like, the top results, you know, that kind of makes most of the results kind of not valid. But as from a timing standpoint, the timing part of it was done very well. Yeah, and I wonder if they just, uh, you know, stopped or, or not. Because I know I was there when probably the first five came across and you know aaron was there and he was checking because the one guy looked like he didn't have one right i think the fifth place guy but it was tucked under his um the paper band that we had to put on with like the little uh i got you you know the strappy glue or whatever you want to call it um so but yeah that's a shame you know well i guess that that makes sense though it could potentially happen but Well, I guess that makes sense, you know, because it's kind of like it's kind of like they do at Spartan, you know. They got the cameras on all the burpee pits, you know, long, just long enough for you know most of the the first age groups to get through and all of the elite to go through, and then they pull them up and start counting burpees, you know. Yeah, and I mean to your point, like I guess once a, a podium, if you will, yeah. is set. Um, besides really wanting to know where you stack in the in the group of people who either completed without their band or completed with their band, you know, I don't, you know, maybe it wasn't going to dictate that, but you know, that's one of those where you just, you learn from that mistake as a smaller, you know, race and you, um, you kind of police that a little better and you kind of make sure that you learn from that to, to have somebody, you know, even if it's the guy that's taking your timing chip off to, to verify that that person has it. And if you don't, you get your number jotted down that way they can split those results. Yeah, because um, I think it's savage. You know what they do as well is like if nobody makes it past, then they allow people to get on the podium that didn't complete all the obstacles. But that means nobody was able to get past them. Right, um, and I don't think it happens often. No, I don't think it does either. 
But yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, it was, it was his first time doing the race, and you know, for a first time, I think it was a great, it was a great race. And sure. to me, what made the race great was it had great obstacles, and there were some really yeah. good obstacles. Even though we had to jump over, it seemed like twenty walls. <laughs> it was, it was. I, I busted my ass on one of those walls too. It was like a short wall. And I went to jump across it like uh, like I'd normally do a Spartan wall, and my hand slipped right off of it, and I totally just tumbled on the other side. I think you were behind me. Weren't you the next one over the wall? And I was, like, crawling and getting back up. I, do, I, don't, I don't remember, but what made those things difficult, too, is, was they were, like, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, three in a row, and you yeah. had to like drop in the crevice and yeah. then jump back up to do them, you know? That's right, because they had, like, a wall frame it was like three walls that were all connected with like i don't know two by fours or two by sixes and you crawled up the wall and jumped in between the next one and then you had to jump up the next wall so that meant that if you're one of those people that has to get a running start to jump up a wall that shit wasn't going to fly because you only had like four feet in between each wall yeah, definitely. Yeah, that um, was a cool. That, I mean, that was an awesome spin on walls. You know, correct. Of course, I remember my first Spartan race. Like they had the walls; they were all right next to each other. And I think it was like Conyers twenty fifteen. You had like the six foot wall, and then you had just enough room where you could get a running start, and then there was a seven foot wall, and then you had just enough room where you could get a running start, and then there was the eight foot wall. And that was, I mean, that was challenging, having all three of them just back-to-back like that. And I thought that was cool, and I don't think I've ever seen it in another race since. No, and like you said, if you're one of those people that had to get a running start, like you, oh, you're were, screwed. You were in for, for a, a, a world of difficulty, uh, especially on the, I don't know how tall the first ones were. They, they were at least seven, maybe eight foot on, on you know, oh, yeah. plywood on those first ones. Yeah. Um, and then they had some four-foot or, you know, uh, ones after we went under the uh, it was after carpet the lo- that you had to crawl under. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, they just, they had, they added a little bit of, you know, eccentrics to a common obstacle that made it good. You know, it was really neat. Definitely. Um, like, and, you know, for what we paid to go and do this race too, it was, I mean, you can't really complain about it because I think I signed up me and my girlfriend with one of the coupons. And I think me and her both did the elite one and it was like 150 bucks for both of us. So, I mean, that was, yeah. I mean, that was just a great deal, man. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, uh, they had some good uh, discounts out there because I think it was around uh, 80 uh, for, for myself, um, yeah. you know, uh, and uh Typically, you're you're easily at a buck twenty nine, buck fifty nine. Who who knows? You know what yeah. I mean. It, it continues to 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 trend up. Right. <laughs> and I don't think he would. I mean, I don't I don't think a lot of people did. But I think if you would have wanted to do multiple laps, there wouldn't have been no problem, and they wouldn't have cared at all. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, they they like the people were good people, and uh, you know, oh, yeah. to, to what you alluded to earlier, what made it fun was the obstacles right. and the people that were there. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it was a good time. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the parking was kind of crazy coming up because you, you, you come into it, you were in a straight line, and then the guy took your money. He's like, okay, now turn around and then go back there and park in this ditch. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, I was thinking, you know, if they had like a sold-out venue and you had like hundreds of people coming, th- that would have been a huge cluster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they usually park in that field because they've done multiple races there before, um, and uh, you know people got stuck in that open field right there to the right hand side. So on um, the inside of the fence or whatever. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and then you know I think they utilized a lot more of that area by the lake. Yeah, um, and you know again we had parked in that area as well, like in not towards the main road, but once you drove in. Um, on that other opposite side. So I think that, uh, limited their, their parking. And then obviously, you know, mother nature undefeated. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I really hated that the weather was so bad. Cause I think that that probably hurt their turnout a little bit too, because I did meet a couple of people that they said that was their first, uh, obstacle race ever. And I thought that was super cool that, you know, he showed up to a race in those kind of conditions, you know, to go out there and just have some fun. 
Yeah, and it's always good when, the, again, the smaller races, you know, can pull these people in for their first time because, yeah. you know, believe it or not, you know, some of these races are intimidating. You know, you see the stuff on TV and you're just like, man, I can't do a pull-up. I'm not going out there to do that. Yeah. Um, so if you can get these smaller ones, you know, as feeder races uh, to get people in, you know, it definitely gets them out of their comfort zone and gets them off a couch on a Saturday morning, which obviously all of us need to do, so... Yeah, and see, I've never done a competitive savage race, and I feel like that this was a great, you know, practice run for, you know, doing a competitive savage race. You know, yeah, cause... definitely. Um, I'm a big fan of those guys. They just, you know, always coming up with obstacles, and they're not afraid to say, "Hey, we made a mistake with this obstacle. We're not putting it back on here." But they come up with some of some of the gnarliest obstacles that really test people. Um, you know, you want to get away from the complacency of like okay, it's a, it's a race and it's this long and we're have the same things every time. Uh, because then like you can just train that and a person that does well in training will do well in that, but to mix it up with stuff that you've never seen, um, and, you know, display new obstacles and, you know, innovating stuff. It's kind of always, you never know what you're going to get. You know, we keep these few that are solid, uh, that we like and everybody knows this for, but then every year they're adding like three to five new ones yeah. that, that are legit. Yeah, just being innovative in the sport, and that's what makes it yeah. cool. And they usually put a twist on obstacles they already have at almost every single race. Right, exactly. Yeah. Are you going Are you, you going to do the ones in uh, Florida and Georgia coming up? Uh, so I'm not 100% on that, you know. Uh, it was kind of – wasn't really concentrating as much on OCR, but with everything else, you know, High Rocks and DECA not being certain, uh, it might be opening up an avenue to, to, to get back out there and, you know, do a little bit more trail running and, and stuff to that nature. Right. Well, I know you got that big – you won 500 bucks for getting first place, man. What are you going to spend all that jack on? That beachfront bro, property? Valentine's Day is coming up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Just get her a card and tell her you already spent the $500. Right, I hear you, man. <laughs> Babe, I had to sign up for DecaFit and High Rocks. Yeah, I had to buy a plane ticket. <laughs> <laughs> for real. Yeah, so I, you you did tell me at the race that you were thinking about uh, get dabbling into the DecaFit and the High Rocks, man. So I don't have much ambition to do those because I'm just a trail guy and being outdoors, man. I just, I kind of, you know, lean more to that Avenue. What, what to that appeals to you? Um, you know, I'm, I don't just like the conditions this weekend. It's just like, I knew oh, yeah. when I saw the forecast, like this is going to be great. It didn't remind me of like Charlotte, you know, a couple years ago where it was just blistering cold and it's just a game. Oh, yeah. People can't function in that a lot of the time. So the other thing about, you know, DECA and High Rocks is, you know, for me, High Rocks is such an even playing field because you can't be super strong and not be able to run and you can't be able to run and not be able to move certain amount of weight. So it's the perfect mix of like finding to me, at least finding a well-rounded like jack of all trades, like. That, that can do fitness, you know, uh, a lot of the DECA stuff, you know, they have different distances now. It's like the, the pain cave, you know, there's something about that functional fitness suffering that it, it's, it's nice to embark on that trip every now and then. Right. Um, and, and it suits, I think me a little better. I'm not a natural runner, but I can run enough, um, you know, uh, to, to do well. You know, I was the one that was upset at the, the beginning of the race when they are like, oh, yeah, we, we're not going to do this carry or something like that. And I'm like, oh, man, they're taking carries out. That's my yeah. bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Brian was saying, I don't think Brian was the one that was telling me he didn't know why he decided to uh, take that carry out. Of course, I think, you know, the marking was pretty good, but I know we missed a section, but it was – like, we didn't miss any obstacles. I think we were yeah, supposed to... Yeah, it was like to... a loop, I think, is what uh, yeah. Aaron was saying, that we were supposed to kind of cut to the right and uh, do, like, a little loopy-loop and come back to that same spot that we went on. But Right. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. At first, I thought they were sandbags back there, um, so maybe they got super wet from the rain. But then again, we had the same sandbags earlier in the race that, you know, were wet and definitely weighed more than what they were at the, you know, at the time they put them out there dry. Yeah, because I think the 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 map actually said there was a bucket carry out there, and we didn't do no bucket carry. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, no. I mean, the 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 aspect of those other races, man. It's like I've always been one of those guys that 
can like redline. Um, it's just running and redlining wasn't my, my strong suit. Um, I can run fast enough to, to make, you know, make moves, but, uh, where I make the, the, the big moves are bucket carry sandbag, right. you know, stuff where we got heavy things and I can still run at the same pace. Um, so, uh, I like them, you know, and then obviously with everything, with the gym shutdowns and COVID and those things, um, you know, it was a way to continue to be competitive by making it, uh, you know, gamifying it, if you will, to where you could put these things on in your gym or in your box, um, and compete against other people in other gyms and stuff, uh, remotely. Um, so, uh, definitely excited um, too, and then I saw as well that Spartan, you know, is launching the Spartan Cross here in Jacksonville. Yeah. So that that's something that I'd be interested in. Um, you know, I think uh, the more the diversity is out there, uh, the more you're going to draw athletes, the best athletes, if you will, from all these other trades of you know weightlifting, CrossFit, you know, trail running, cross country, uh, to really get these people to hone in on. Um, you know, buying into the, these other, you know, companies and other distances and whatnot. Yeah. Cause that, that Spartan cross, like you're talking about, it's kind of like that time trials thing that they were doing like on Friday nights, a yeah. couple of races. Yeah. I never tried that, but it just looked like a, a red line race from start to finish. Yeah, no, it was fun. I did the one in Asheville and it was like, you, you had multiple rounds and it was timed and the top like six moved on to the next round and yeah. then the top six. And then you, you went those 12 and you took six more until you got to, you know, the final field. And then it was another gauntlet. I think we had to run three times in a row and, and people were eating it up, you know? Right. Huh. So have you, you've done a high rocks already, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I did a, I did a couple, I mean, I guess you could say at the beginning of last year and then the, you know, the, the winter of the previous ones. So, right. So how'd you do Adam? Uh, so I got, I have a third place and then two first place, uh, in, in my age group. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, again, it was one of those where it was when I went to the first one in Miami, it was it was new to me. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what made it exciting um, and uh, went to it and was like, OK, yeah, you're going to have to train a little bit more for this. But, uh. uh, <laughs> you know, this is one of those that you're going to it's going to test your, your grit and your endurance. Uh, and like I said, you just have to have a good mix of, you know, being able to keep that high, high heart rate. Uh, but, you know, use the runs as like a almost like a recovery, but still run at a seven minute pace. Right. So what was the hardest, you know, obstacle of, of high rocks? Was it like the hundred wall balls or was it like trying to get that sled across the room? Yeah. So I would probably say the sled pull, uh, you got little box, you know, taped on the floor and you have to stay in that box. Uh, so it's, you know, one of those where every time the momentum stops of the sled, it's so hard to get it moving. So you, you, you know, in a perfect world, you try to get it scooting and then keep it moving, even if it's just slowly moving, but never actually coming to a complete rest. Right. Um, I would say that, and maybe the sandbag lunges, it just, you build up lactic. And then by that time, you know, being, you know, that late in the race, uh, you, you cramp, I've, I, I've cramped twice. Oh, wow. uh, you know, doing those at the end of the race. So how many sandbag lunges is it? Is it like 50 or something? Uh, it's, it's for distance. And to be honest, I don't oh. even know off the top of my head, don't know the distance, but, uh, it's, it ain't it's short. I can tell you that <laughs> usually you're lunging all the way down the whole field and then lunging all the way back. Uh, you know, I think the only thing that might be longer is the farmer's carry, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, but some of the weights they use out there, is, it's just crazy, man. You know, moving some of that stuff. So if somebody was going to do their first high rocks, what advice would you tell them before they started doing it? Um, I mean, I would definitely say dabble in the, 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 the eight stations, you know what I mean? And make sure that you have at least attempted to run multiple, uh, you know, at least 500, but you know, obviously we're running one K each time, but you know, definitely, you know, don't, don't go out there cold Turkey. You know, make sure you've done every, you know, skier, rower, make sure you've been on the equipment um, and, and, you know, go out there. But it's also a good time. I've never not seen anybody finish 
you know what I mean? And right. the, the atmosphere that they have, it, it's it's electric out there, man. Music, vendors, um, you know, I've stayed around uh, three times now uh, to see the last person finish. And the people just come out of the woodwork and, 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 you know, cheer these people on. And, you know, some of these people, you know, are out there doing this and, and uh, you know, uh, digging so deep you know, to, to get these things done that might come natural to some people. Uh, so it's kind of amazing to see. Um, but definitely a good time. So people hang around, and so there is kind of a community aspect to it, and just like, okay, I'm done, I'm going to the house type thing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I've never, like I said, the three times, I had to catch a flight one time, but the three times that I've stayed to watch the last person, yeah, I mean, there's still a good bit of people there. Um, and, and like I said, it just gets loud in there. And, you know, they, you know, it's nice. You know, they announce your name while you're running and they kind of update the stuff while you're running. There's a huge video board uh, that kind of shows you where you're at and, you know, gives you lap numbers and stuff. So huh. definitely a good production. They honed it in Europe before they brought it over here. Right. Um, uh, so, I mean, I think they had that going for them, and I think people kind of ate that, you know, aspect of it up in terms of being able to be indoors. So it just opened up so many venues to do an event like that where Mother Nature doesn't, you know, necessarily, you know, rule all uh, and, and shut some stuff down because you can be in all these stadiums or gyms or, you know, uh, you know, schools and colleges doing right. these events. That does sound kind of cool. You know, just you talking about there being a community aspect and people kind of hanging out, still having a good time after the race. I mean, that's kind of like something that I think people look for, especially now. But the thing about it is, is if, you know, during these COVID times, you know, I know when they did that kind of beta test in uh, Jacksonville for that, I think that sprint in June, you know, they were wanted people you know, once your race was over, they, they weren't forcing you to leave, but... But they were, yeah. Yeah. Ask, you know, saying like, hey, you know, you know, if, you know, not hanging around, you know, yep. trying to socially distance. So I think, yep. you know, too, at those, at that point, you know, we were still not 100% sure or didn't have as much knowledge as we do now of, you know, right. what was going on. So I think, you know... And you know, I, I haven't even, because, I mean, I'm not going to Jacksonville, so I haven't really paid attention to, like, the what the rules they're going by. I don't know if it's still, you can't come in until, like, 45 minutes or 30 minutes before your start time. I wonder if they're still doing that, too. Yeah, they posted something the other day, and basically were saying, you know, temperature checks before, like they did last time. Right. Um, not to come, like you're saying, you know, until a certain amount of time before your wave. Um, it, the verbiage they used was like, we strongly recommend um, that, you know, you wear a mask when you're not racing and you're in certain parts of the venue, if you will. Yeah. Um, which, you know, again, at the end of the day, to each their own. And, you know, uh, some people have thoughts and, you know, have their own feelings. But, I mean, I think out of respect, if you're going to hang around, it just makes sense for them to say, hey, you know, if you're going to be here in the festival area, you know, uh, mask it up or, 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 you know, be socially distanced for sure. Fuck you, you can't tell me to wear a mask. I have my rights. Yeah, I know. Fine, <laughs> yeah, there's going to be one dude out there, you know, that's already had too many free beers. I'm going to tell you, yeah, he's been saving all his uh, tags from last year, and he's just out there cleaning out the, the, the land shark or the local brew oh, or whatever yeah. they're bringing in. The Coors Light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody will make a stink about it. <clears throat> just wear your mask, people. So, all right, man, we're getting close on time, but I always have some questions that I usually ask everyone. So, sure. Logan, to this day, what has been, like, your most favorite race that you've ever done and why? Hmm. That's, that's, that's a tough one, man. I mean, I, I think maybe my favorite and, and most humbling uh, was uh, Vermont. 2014 um i did that sprint and thought i was i was the next big thing and i i went to vermont and spent 11 hours on that mountain for and, a sprint uh, say that again for a sprint no 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 okay. no, no. It, i mean it was a beast oh still, <laughs> i thought you said hours. sprint <laughs> uh, it was dark when i finished it was dark when i started oh wow uh, and it, it was humbling and it kind of just you know fueled that fire of like 
you can be an athletic person, you can be an athlete, um, but you definitely have to train for these certain aspects of things. Uh, and, and I still go back to certain points in, in that race where, you know, I had to dig deep for willpower and say, I mean, again, it's cold, you're swimming. It's, you know, it's just one of those where if you live in a flat, flatlands like us down here in Florida, it's like you're climbing a mountain. Like it's, yeah. a, it's a game changer and uh, probably hooked me for life. You know what I mean? That one probably, and it is weird to say that, but it humbled me so much that it made me so hungry to, to make sure that never happened again, that it kind of turned that leaf or, or that page in my book and said, you know, it's time to invest some time and to, to get better at this. And, and, and from there on out, you know, it was just take what you can get, you know? So, and that was the year that had that hellacious long, like, double sandbag, right? Yeah, 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 where people were just falling out on the side of the mountain. Yeah. I didn't do that one, but I remember seeing videos of that and thinking, man, that is a long sandbag, Kerry. Yeah, I want to say maybe it was the last one or second to last of the world championship out there before they moved out to Tahoe. Yeah. Uh, And, uh... But yeah, no, it's just a, it's a beautiful place too. So oh, I mean, yeah. again, you know, one of those things where, you know, it was a almost like a destination trip. Like if you if you're a Spartan, you have to have that on the bucket list of a race to do. You know, I agree. Yeah, I've, I've gone the past two years, and I've said that I'm I, the first time I did it, I said I'm not going to do it again, and then I went back and did it last year, and I'm already signed up to go this year. I was signed up to go last year too, <laughs> but yep. it got canceled. But, uh, okay, Logan, so now that you've told me your favorite race, tell me the race that you did not like, you know, the one that was the worst or the one that was the hardest. Hmm. Maybe the, maybe my first time going out to Tahoe. Uh, so let's see, it's 2020, maybe that was 2017, uh, maybe, or maybe the year before it was 17 miles that year. Yeah. That was uh, the really long year. I think that was, uh, 2017, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So again, never been exposed except in Vermont to, ele- you know, some sort of elevation, just some sort of cold, uh, in the cold in Tahoe was completely different in, in that particular comparing those two years. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, it's a hard toss up with that one. Cause there's only been one other race besides the Vermont race, which I ended up, you know, actually loving, uh, where I've like, didn't have fun for a certain portion. And that was big bear. Uh, so, I mean, it's a hard between those two, I would say that one was definitely the 17 mile one was definitely difficult. Just not have being exposed to that and going out to those elements and doing that type of thing. Right. Uh, but Big Bear is definitely, if you're not a climber, it just defeats you because every time you run down, you know you have to go back up. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you do with deal with like the elevation, you know, being from Florida? You know, I've always wondered that, you know, did you really feel the effects or no? So I, both times I've gone to Tahoe, I went out um, three days before the race, one time four days before the race, right. uh, just on the aspect of people telling me like, you're definitely need to get out there as soon as you can, um, to, uh, to acclimate the best you can. Um, and so I don't know that in the race I could, I could tell like, Hey, I can't breathe. Um, and maybe that was because, you know, I went out there early enough. I you know did a couple short runs, you know, a medium, you know, length run out there to just see how my body was going to acclimate. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I haven't been one of those. I've heard, you know, horror stories unfortunately of people like flying in the night before and and hitting that mountain and like, you know, literally not being able to breathe when you got to the top. Yeah. So, uh definitely definitely real. Yeah, see, I've never gone and done that race and I've always kind of been worried about it, especially, you know, too because I've I've got like borderline asthma. It doesn't really bother me much anymore, but I just wonder if it would affect it, you know, and have problems with it. Because I remember talking to Chad Hoke, and he had a he had a pretty hard time with it when he was out there. But he did the ultra that year. Ultra, that yeah, I was going to say he multiple. Yeah, I think too. Once you put enough stress on your body, uh, especially with a person with mild asthma or, or anything to that nature, that um, your body's going to start to compensate at some point for it. Whether that's you know um, uh, hard hard breathing or you know uh, you know. Uh, 
reduced oxygen, whatever it may be, yeah. you're going to put enough stress on your body that it's going to start to react in a, in a negative manner. Yeah. See, I've never done a race at elevation, you know, and I've done some, just some trail running on my own and gone to like 6,000 feet, but that's about it. Um, so, all right, Logan. So like, what is like your ritual? Like say you're going into a Spartan race weekend where you're running Saturday and Sunday. Like, what are you doing to prepare for the race? Like, what are you doing Friday night, you know, Saturday morning and after the race Saturday to recover for Sunday's race? Like, what is something that you always do, like your routine, your secrets to winning all the races, man? Uh, and I getting wish. that $500 uh, bank. I mean, I'm a big proponent of, uh, you know, beats. So I usually, what I call it is like beat load the week of. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, use a beat supplement, you know, you know, all red, but the week of the race, I typically consume, you know, uh, I'd say between 32, 64 ounces of actual like beetroot, uh, juice. Um, and it's just, you know, could be one of those things that mentally just makes me feel like I'm more prepared, but, uh, you know, obviously there's some science behind that aspect. Uh, and then I'm a big guy of, uh, like eating the same thing every, every race morning. So, you know, I have oatmeal that I go to with bananas and, you know, that's, it's kind of, kind of what I hit there, you know, try to stay away from, you know, wild or crazy foods, you know, leading up to it. I usually cut off training, you know, Thursday and Thursday is usually like a shakeout, you know, run just to see how you feel. Um, you know, obviously nothing you do the week of the race is going to translate into the race, in my opinion, when it comes to a, a level of fitness or, um, you know, trying to, to make gains, if you will, like, you know, um, other than that, man, I just try to get a good night's sleep, uh, you know, and, and wake up refreshed and, you know, make sure to fuel the body right and, and go into it, man. Cause are, are, are you still a vegetarian too? I'm vegan. Yeah. yeah. So like, how do you source like all of your proteins? You know, I mean, I know you're getting like plant proteins, a lot of that, sure. but like, you know, like be like, what's like brand specific, like where, like to get your, all your protein from a daily intake. Like, how do you do that? Cause I've, I've always heard that, you know, if you're, if you're going to be a vegetarian, it's kind of hard to get all the right supplements, you know, or the vitamins, you know, to be a, a you know, good athlete. Right. So I take a, a vegan multivitamin, um, and then I take a, a vegan, what they would call fish oil, but it's made from algae. So it's made from plants. Uh, right. Other than that, you know, I don't take anything, you know, extra on top of my stuff but you know um i usually put a scoop of protein powder in my oatmeal with peanut butter you know yeah. uh so you get some there uh tofu tempeh i eat a lot of beans lentils yeah. um you can get pretty creative and, and to be honest when you cut out meat completely it's um and dairy and eggs you you kind of get exposed to a lot of um uh, a lot more spices, if you will. Um, right. Obviously, a lot of the Middle Eastern cultures, you know, are, you know, uh, plant-based, maybe not vegan, but uh, a lot of them don't eat certain types of meat. So you kind of broaden your knowledge in terms of uh, seasoning so that it doesn't uh, become, uh, I guess, ritualistic right. of having the same thing. Same thing every day. You know? Yeah, every week or something to that nature. But um, as, you know, mass media and the bigger box name companies, you know, jump on board for you know the wave i guess if you want to call it that um there's a lot of substitutes out there you know not all of them are healthier right. or better for you um but if it's a standpoint of you know uh you know you, you you do it for the animals or you do it for you know certain you know aspects of it um you know health benefits then uh you know there's definitely lots of sourcing for um you know, supplemental stuff out there. Um, I typically don't have a problem hitting my protein, you know, and, right. but, but I'm a normal person in the sense that, you know, I have it in the morning and then I have a shake after I do my strength workout. So, you know, you're typically getting, you know, 50 to 60 grams in those sittings. Uh, so you're already, you know, halfway to a third there. Um, so I've never had a problem per se, um, but I have heard some stories of people that, you know, obviously B12 is a big thing um, and, and some other things. So I think as long as you get blood work done and, you, and you're healthy and you feel good about it, yeah, um, you know, that, that, that you're good to go. Is your wife vegetarian too? No, no, no. So oh. uh, she eats when I cook. You know, I would say, you know, I probably do 60 to 
60 to 70 percent of the cooking just because i have the restrictions and yeah. my son he's seven he, he eats and she eats but uh you know he likes hot dogs and macaroni and cheese i mean he's a kid you know so uh you know you know i don't I don't force any of that stuff on, you know, any of them. So when she's at work, uh, they cater the office a lot. So, you know, yeah. with what it mows, Chick-fil-A, that right. type of stuff. So, so um, when she's, she's over there eating like prime eating. rib, well, is she like, how's your rice, honey? <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. You know, but, but again, like I said, when you broaden the knowledge too, of like these different spices, you can make stuff taste pretty good. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Um, so how long have you been, uh, been a vegetarian or vegan? Uh, so I would say, I'm trying to think back, it's probably four years now, oh, wow. uh, but I was pescatarian before that. So, you know, still wasn't doing, um, you know, red meat, pork, but was eating fish. Right. Um, and then kind of decided to embark on, you know, uh, cutting that out completely, uh, you know, and it started as a way to boost my endurance. You know, I was reading a book by an ultra marathoner and, you know, I had bad knees and ankles from basketball uh, and it was to reduce inflammation from, you know, the consumption of processed stuff, GMOs and red meat. Uh, and, and my endurance skyrocketed. I felt better. Uh, so kind of just something I stuck with. Uh, and then obviously the more you read about stuff, um, you learn about, stuff that most of the public's not exposed to. So, you know, it's uh, one of those things where it kind of becomes a, not a moral thing, but yeah. somewhat, you know, uh, of, of like, yeah, some of this stuff is kind of wrong or probably bad right. in some sense. Yeah, well, you know how they mass produce like chickens and stuff like that. You yeah, know, it's, yeah. It's, just pump them full of whatever so they can right. sell them for a 10-pound chicken instead of a 5-pound chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in like a month. <laughs> Well, hey, Logan, man, I'm all out of questions, man. Is there anything else you want to add to this before we sign off? No, nah, I mean, I just want to – I appreciate it, man. Uh, uh, I love listening, man. Uh, so I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, man. And uh, always great to catch up with you on, on race day. Um, and hopefully we got a lot more of those coming uh, for, for the remainder of 2021, brother. Man, I hope so too, man. This COVID stuff's getting out of hand. I'm ready for it to just go away. Yeah, you and a, and a billion others. <laughs> All right, Logan. Hey, man, I appreciate you taking time. Talk to us today, man. All right, thanks, bud. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Logan again for taking time. Talk to us. And check out these uh, these smaller races. Hildervat, Swamp Battle, OCR Overload. Like, for what we paid to do this race over the weekend, it was great. I mean, very challenging obstacles. It was like Savage. It was good practice for Savage, you know, if you're wanting to get into that competitive heat, you know, and try to do better. This is a good way to practice. And like I said, I don't think Aaron would have had any problem with us doing more than one lap if we wanted to. Just the weather was just crazy. So I had no interest in doing another lap, and we had to get back home anyway. Uh so check out these races. I know Hildervat's going to be doing one on the beach again like they did before. Swamp Battle is doing one in March. I know it's the same weekend as the Dallas uh, Savage Race, so I won't be at that one. And OCR Overload is going to come back again in either, I think they, he said June or July. I can't remember. But go and follow their uh, Facebook pages and their Instagrams and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And like I said, we'll see you at the next race later.